I am not a medical doctor, but I do like to play one on occasion. Um, if any of you, uh, w- one of my good friends here in the congregation, and he's in Florida right now, but uh, Dr. Gonzalez, I should say, Kyle, uh, oftentimes if we're with somebody and he's explaining what he does, I often say, no, 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 I got this, I got this. He stops the bleeding and he has to deal with preeclampsia. And Kyle often says, yeah, pretty much right, you got it. Not too long ago, uh, Andrew got hurt, and I played doctor with him as he was engaging one of our MDs in the hallway and argued with the MD, saying that I was right in what his injury was and I was wrong, but I like to play a doctor. You shouldn't take medical advice from me, is the moral of that. Or let me, if, if one of our doctors lets me sit in on a procedure, you should probably run and uh, scream malpractice at the top of your lungs. Now, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, um, I am a licensed counselor. And, and as last week, as we were talking, as we have began our study in the book of James, I've been sitting with people for over 20 years. And like last week, I'm going to use the chair again for a moment. Because I think it's helpful that as I've sat with folks for 20 years, as a counselor and as a pastor, I've heard some deep and dark and hurtful things. And at times, at times as, as we think about that and we think about this journey in life, At times, I've found myself sitting in this chair as well. And I know that you have too. Last week, as we talked about trials and that God's at work in the midst of the trials, as we talked about trials so often, probably you could recall a time where you needed to be sitting in that chair. And maybe even this morning, I think probably most of us are going through something. And like I said last week, If we're not, we will. And we find ourselves here. We find ourselves in need. Last week, as we opened up this book of James, and we said that God is at work, and we looked at verses 1 through 4, and we ended in verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. As we're going through these trials that we're supposed to know that God is doing something in us. He's creating godly character in us. And as we are going through these trials, as he is doing this, as he is making us perfect, the next verse is so important because here is where we find ourselves, don't we, church? But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Sometimes this search for wisdom for a Christian should be pretty easy. More than once I've had a man come and sit in the chair and say things like, you know, I'm praying through whether or not to divorce my wife. And the gist of it is he may wrap it in fancy language, but the gist of it is, is that he just wants somebody else. And the wisdom is pretty easy there. We give him the word. We show him where to turn, and then we ask him to come back. God has spoken in his word. 
Sometimes the wisdom is that easy. We look at the word that God has written and it's easy. Maybe not easy to do. But it's the thus saith the Lord. If you're contemplating, if you need wisdom this morning, whether or not to rob a bank, easy. Thou shalt not steal, right? As we meet as elders in this church. We don't debate things that are clear in Scripture. When we're trying to make decisions about things of the church, there's no debate over things that are in Scripture. And the thus saith the Lord's of the Scriptures. The times where we disagree or the times when life presents something where it's gray or there's two paths and we don't quite know what to do and we've read and we've looked and we come to the end of ourselves of, oh, we need wisdom. Are you in it this morning? Do you need wisdom this morning? Kids, you've started school. And I just want to say one of the things to you kids, whether younger or older, we do not know what you're going through. We like to pretend that we do as adults, but you're living in a day and an age and a time we don't know or understand what you're going through. Do you need wisdom this morning? Some of you in here this morning are going through things in your job or in your marriage and you need wisdom. Some of you this morning, some of you this morning are going through health issues. Many of us this morning are dealing with aging parents. We need wisdom. Some of you this morning are those aging parents. And you need wisdom. It's not easy. It's difficult. You could sit in this chair this morning. One of the problems with the church is that God has given us gifts, grace gifts is what I want to call it, and we so often neglect it. So many times we as the church become more like the world and we lean on structures of the world. And it blows my mind how often the church has been infected from the things of the world. And then we lose its practices, practices that God has given us for our health and for our vitality. Just imagine just for a moment. That I'm sitting in this chair and you're my counselor. And then as I'm sitting here this morning, I lay out a situation to you that is just complex. There's twists and there's turns. And that I'm in need of advice from you. I'm in need of wisdom. How often do we rush to, you know, I've heard this really good podcast. I've read this really good book. I, I mean, this morning... I knew I was going to say this, and so I said, well, I better go on and look. And I went on the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and there are many, many podcasts that you can subscribe to that are dealing with wisdom. Numerous books. We probably can't even count the number of books of like the five ways to get wisdom in your life. I, I, I on YouTube, just put wisdom, and there were 
thousands and thousands of thousands of hits. And I actually listened to one of them, like eight wisdom principles that talked about all of the ancient philosophers. The next one was 48 wisdom principles. And then over and over and over again, as you scroll down, there's all these folks that are lining up to give us wisdom. We wonder at times why the church in America is in such bad shape. It's not that these things are necessarily bad or that God can't use a podcast or a book. Or YouTube. That's, that's, not, that's not it. The problem is, is that these are the structures we're leaning on. The problem is, is that we don't believe that God has made a way. Can you imagine with me for a moment? Can you imagine? If our little church. Believed this passage this morning. If we believed. As you heard read by Nick this morning. That if we are a believer in Christ, if we are one of his children and we are in need of wisdom, if we believe that if we asked for wisdom, that he would give it to us, how that would transform our church. How it would transform your family. How it would transform you. And I think the debate, I think the reality that we get into is that when we hear these words, we say, Lewis, Lewis, it's not that simple. You don't understand the complexity of my situation. I, I mean, I, Lewis, I'm in it. I am like over my head. And I think when we hear this passage, we, we think and we, it kind of sounds like to us the old Bob Newhart stretch. Sketch, not stretch. You remember where he's a counselor and he's sitting in there and when the people come in and they say, you know, I'm struggling with Blah, blah, blah. Do you remember what he says? Two words. Stop it. Then they unfold their problems. Stop it. Stop it. Now, there is some wisdom in that. But I think when we hear these words from the scripture, if you lack wisdom, pray. What really goes on in our minds is, oh, what do you mean? Just pray. It's an indictment on us. When I was in seminary, I was thinking through a, a, a theological issue that was just real big and real complex, and uh, Casey and I came home and were with my parents, and uh, so I started, my dad was asking me questions, and we started kind of going back and forth, and I'm talking about this big thing that I'm, that's weighing on my mind, and Casey just chimes in, and she said, Lewis, well, the Bible says it, so you should just believe it. And me being, you know, theologically trained, in the midst of being theologically trained, was like, oh, sweetheart, you don't understand. This author, this thinker, this author, this thinker. And, you know, she was sitting there like, duh. Years later, <laughs> I had to admit, hey, she's right. If the Bible says it, if God has laid it out in His Word, what's up for me is to believe it, to trust it. To have faith in it. 
We're in trials. God is at work. And as God is at work, we find ourselves needing wisdom. And God says, ask. Ask. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. God has given us His Word. We even have a whole genre in the Bible called wisdom literature. And it would be good if you got familiar with that, if you got familiar with God's Word. So when situations arise in your life as you as you're walking in this world that you know, oh, God has said he's answered this. Another thing that we get from God's word is that uh, we see how Jesus lived and how Jesus walked as an example for us. And we need to be familiar with that so that when times in our life comes and maybe we're presented with something that Jesus faced that we know, hey, here's what Jesus did. God's given us each other to talk to, to have coffee with, to have dinner with, to converse with, to to talk through our issues with. But God has also given us himself. And he's called us to come and ask. I mean, does it not blow your mind that Jesus, God in the flesh, God himself, in the midst of difficult times, separated himself and went and prayed as an example for us. Pray. Knock. God is there. What is wisdom? I think there's a lot of ways to kind of define wisdom. Most of the definitions you would look at have something to do with like gaining knowledge and putting that knowledge into action. One author, one um, commentator said this. Wisdom is the possession of the believer given to them by the spirit that enables them to see history and the future from the divine perspective. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the possession of the believer given to him or her by the Spirit that enables them to see history and the future from the divine perspective. Tim Keller, not talking about wisdom, but talking about prayer, but in the same line, the same vein, says this. If you knew everything that God knows, you would answer your prayer the same way that God answers it. Both of these definitions take the picture... Of God being way bigger than you are. Being outside of time and space. Knowing the past, the present, and the future. Sovereign, good, loving, and willing. Now, most of you have probably heard of. uh, There's a bike race every summer in July called the Tour de France. Some of you may not have heard of it because all of the good American riders ended up uh, doping. And so we don't have anybody to pull for anymore, but it still takes place. And so this this bike race is like 22 or 23 days long. It's grueling. It's 2,200 miles. And it's over mountains, not just mountains, but it's over the the Alps. I mean, it is intense Riders, you know, you see these guys when they start off and they're very skinny, but by the end they're so emaciated that, I mean, some of them are are literally kind of near just collapsing and near death. It's It's a grueling 
grueling event. And one of the things that's interesting, they have teams, and I don't have the time to explain why there are teams in bicycle riding, but there are teams. But there's also coaches, race directors. And these race directors, uh, they know the course inside and out. Many of them have ridden the course before. Many of them, the day before, they will go in the car or on a motorcycle and they'll go ride the course. There's helicopters that are giving data. These race directors are in a car riding along and they have these computer layouts of the course. They know the altitude. They know every turn. They know everything that's going on. Not only that, but they have top of the line. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. They have top of the line equipment and these riders are hooked up to to, to equipment that are showing uh, these team directors and, and I'm sure doctors like their vital signs. And so these race directors know, they know if they need to tell somebody, hey, slow up, slow up, slow up, you're, you're doing too much, or you need to eat, or you need to hydrate, or go, you've got it, go, go, go. And that's not the only piece of equipment they have. They have the ability to communicate to these riders, so these riders have these little earpieces in their ears and they have this race director that's feeding them this information constantly whether it's information about the course or whether it's information about themselves and what do you think these coaches these race directors think about the guys on their team and their riders do you think that they are the coach and the race director and, and, and wear the, the, the team jersey or whatever because they don't want their guys to win? No, that's silly. They're in the car, they're there, they're devoting their lives because they want these guys to win and so they're pumping them with information. They would never hold with information from these riders. They want them to win. How do you believe God feels about you? Do you believe that God wants you to make it? I mean, for these riders, literally one wrong, not literal turn, they, they don't go off the path because it's marked. But, but one mistake, maybe not eating properly or hydrating properly or, or going out too hard. One mistake, and a lot of times these guys don't even finish the race. It's amazing how many of these guys don't finish the race. God not only wants you to finish the race, He wants you to thrive. He wants you to ride. He wants you to run well. How well does God know the course you're on? How well does God know you? He made you. He knows your limitations. He knows your tendencies. He knows things that jam you up. He knows what you're capable of. He knows your limits. He knows your temperament. And get this. Get this. We have access. How crazy would it be if you were a rider on the Tour de France and you said, no thank you, and you took the earpiece out and 
bicycle riders have pockets on the back of their jerseys. And you put that earpiece in the back of your jersey and said, no, thank you, I'll do this myself. But far too often, this is the way we live. And we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why we beat our heads against things, uh, obstacles in our path. You see, friends, you see, brothers and sisters. When we think about wisdom and we think about gaining wisdom. It's less about you and it's more about God. I want you to notice something from this passage that is just awesome. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. What does your Bible say there? Generously. This word in the Greek, this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It's the only time this Greek word is used, even if you were to have the Septuagint. And it, it's an okay translation, but it doesn't get to the heart of really what is going on here. Another way to say this is not just that he gives generously, but that he gives without hesitation. He is a good giver. He is willing. He is anxious. This is what this means by generously. It's, it's kind of a much bigger picture of what God is up to. It's the opposite we see in the text. It says he gives generously and without reproach. So it's kind of the opposite of a reproach being disapproving or the picture of like, ah, oh, here comes David Kinniger again. That's not how God is. It's the opposite of this picture. The picture of the text is that God gives generously. The, the, the idea that, that kept coming to my mind over and over, this isn't about wisdom, but I think it's the character of God, and, and I think it fits this word well, is when we look at the account that Jesus gives when he's of the prodigal son. And the father, in that account of the prodigal son, where the son is coming, and when the father sees him from far off, he sits back and says, huh, I wonder what this Yahoo's getting ready to say to me. That's not what the story tells us, is it? It tells us that when the father sees the son coming, he runs to him. He calls his servants. He tells them to put the coat and the ring on him. He says, we're having a party. It is without reproach. It's without hesitation. It is immediate. Here is what happens. But many times we think of God as the older brother, don't we? Hesitant, reluctant. I've got a few more questions for you. <laughs> That's not the picture of this text. God is willing, he's ready, he's wanting, he's without hesitation, wanting to give you wisdom. He really wants you to have it. Get this. So, if we lack wisdom, whose fault is it? It's not God's. In college, uh, I was with a group of folks and we did, a, uh, we did an adventure race. And after the first day, we were in first place, which surprised us. And so the next day, we were all fired up and we, it was a nine the next day we started with a nine-mile mountain bike race, and so we just took off out of the gate. 
And uh, I would like to say it was because we were so fast, but it was really because the, the people putting on the race were so ill-prepared that we got to a place where there were no more markers of which way to go. Now, there, this is how old I am, kids. There weren't cell phones and things back then. But instead of waiting, we kind of picked away and we like got a mile or two off course. If I could rewrite this story, how crazy would it be if we're out riding this race, we're out in front, we get to a place where there are no clear signs of which way to go, we have a cell phone, we have the race director's number, how crazy would it be not to call him? But many times this is the way that we're living life, that me and my pride keeps me from what is best for me. Or maybe you this morning thinks that has this thought process that God only listens to the fast riders. That he doesn't care about the guys in the back. And that's not true either. There's the only qualification in this passage is that we ask and that we ask in faith. Without doubting. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea. Driven and tossed by the wind. Being a double minded man. Unstable in all his ways. This man. I had the verses out of order here. But hear it. This man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And I think when it says asking in faith, it's not that there's some kind of special formula or there's some kind of special way to act in faith, ask in faith. I think what it's meaning is, I think the clear meaning of the text is, do you believe that God will answer? Do you believe that this God is a generous, giving God who gives without hesitation? Do you believe when you come to him in prayer and ask that he will and does answer? The only qualification. But we are so unstable, aren't we? And we're unstable because if we're not going to God, if we're not believing, it means that we're keeping our mind open that we might get wisdom somewhere else. And it makes us unstable because it's in like, oh, who, who do we believe? What do we believe? And the insanity of this would be kind of like you're on the tour to France and you're struggling. And you have a phone and you call your neighbor, Bob, back on Signal Mountain, who bought a bike a couple months ago and like, Bob, I'm struggling here. What should I do? That'd be silly. And one of the things that we have to remember is that there is an enemy and the enemy is seeking to make us ineffective and is seeking to destroy us and is seeking to fill our head with all sorts of things that would make us not run or ride this race well. I want to look at these verses again. I want to look at these verses again and hear these characteristics again of the doubting man. He is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. There's no stability. There's no anchoring down. There's no way forward. Driven 
and tossed. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And I think part of the reason, other than just because God said so, is that even if God is speaking to you, if you're doubting Him, are you going to believe and trust and go the way that He wants you to go? And in verse 8, again, not the greatest translation here, for that man not to expect anything that he will receive from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, that the actual words there, it's not double-minded, it's double-souled. And what this is getting at is this much deeper level, not just kind of like a flip of the coin in the mind, but this whole idea of your soul, all of who you are. And many of us find ourselves here, right? All of who we are, we're in the midst of a difficult thing. And if we're not seeking wisdom from the Lord, we often find ourselves with a path in front of us that, that diverges and everything that's within us is just double. Wanting to go both ways. This is a horrible place to be. And what I want you to hear from me this morning is that that's not where God wants you. He's not playing some mean, cruel trick on you. God wants to give you wisdom. Now, sometimes we go to God and we ask and he answers and we don't like his answer. Sometimes we go to God and we ask and God tells us, go this way. And you're like, oh, I think we should really go the other way. You're double soul. I think one of the hardest things in the Christian life is not when God says A or B, but when God says, wait. So many times and so many of you are in situations where God is saying, wait. And not only is he saying, wait, but he's saying, trust me. And that is so hard, isn't it? We want to run ahead of God. We want to say, God doesn't understand. This is the God of the universe who is calling you to wait and to be still. And yet, we have such a hard time with that. What would your life look like if you took this passage seriously? What would your life look like if you took this passage seriously? And so when you get kind of tied up, that you truly believe that if you go to God and ask Him for wisdom, that He will give it to you generously and without reproach. How would it change your life? Maybe one of the most important times of your day would be the time that you spent slowing down, seeking the Lord. That I would assume there would be nothing more important if we truly believe that God was giving us wisdom. There would be nothing more important than that time where we just slumped. And as I say that, you can feel the enemy at work within you because the spirit of this age wants us to hit that productive button. 
Fast forward, fast, fast, fast. Go, 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 go. One of the things that I've often done and practiced in my life when I have difficult times coming or I, there's, I'm just in special need of, of wisdom, one of the things that I've often done is fasted. And fasting is not a way to manipulate God of saying, hey, I'm not going to eat and so God is going to answer my prayer because I'm not eating for Him. That's not what that is. Fasting is a way to slow down, to be conscious, to be aware you're actively doing something to kind of settle into this posture of prayer where you're saying, God, I am seeking you. I am trusting you. I am depending upon you. Some people I know take prayer walks where they go and just walk and they seek the Lord. Some people have their own prayer closets where they shut themselves in and they seek the Lord. This world is screaming with distractions. And if we don't take time to quiet and settle in, my fear is, is that we will never learn how to ask and how to hear from God. I heard of a, uh, someone this week in and among us who told me this amazing story of a job situation they were in and they prayed and God just like, I mean, it wasn't, couldn't be any clearer how God answered the prayer. It was just awesome. And then the next thing was, okay, you got another decision. You, gotta, you need to do that again. Ask God again. As elders, one of the things as elders in this church is that all of our decisions are unanimous. The only way to do that on things that aren't thus saith the Lord in the Bible is that we have to be in prayer so that when we come back together, we believe that God will speak to each one of us and draw us together in unison. What do you think would happen with us if we began doing this? And it happens. I think about moments in our growth group where we're praying with one another and we hear of other brothers and sisters that have been praying through something and God gives them wisdom and we get a first-hand seat of, oh my goodness, look at what God did. Sadly, I have failed at this, but what do you think family would look like if I shared with my kids more often times that I needed wisdom and things that I was praying through what do you think the impact would be on my family if they saw God work and answer those prayers in real time? What kind of children would we be bringing up? Do you need wisdom? This morning, I'm gonna, we're going to end in a, maybe a little bit of a different way. It's not too radical. But I want to give you the opportunity this morning. You're here. You're going through life. And many of you are in a situation right now where you need wisdom. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to back off. We're just going to spend a couple minutes. And I want you to spend this time in prayer. Asking God to give you wisdom specifically for whatever's in, going on in your life. And then I'm going to close this in a minute. And, and I, will, I will do that in a second. I'm going to close this in a minute. But what I want you to do, and if, if you're with, if, if you've got family and your kids here, 
it's okay if you're praying out loud together. That's fine. You're not going to disrupt anyone. But let's just spend some time in prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you hear our prayers. God, we thank you that you are a great and wonderful God who desires, is eager to give us wisdom. God, I know I'm not alone, but don't mind standing alone and asking out loud in front of my brothers and sisters that, God, I need your help. God, I don't know how to love my wife like I should. I need your help. I need wisdom from you. I fail her so often. God, I can't look inside of my kids and see their hearts. And I need wisdom in how to shepherd them, how to raise these three boys to be men who follow you, how to raise this sweet, precious little girl to be a woman who ferociously seeks after you. I can't do that on my own. God, I need your wisdom and your help today. And God, as one of the elders of this church, I am so ill-equipped to help make decisions. But God, you're not. Please give wisdom. I am a dependent man. I can't go into details because of we're live streaming, but in our missionary update at the beginning of this service, there was a request for prayer. And God, I pray, I pray that you would give Fozzie wisdom right now. God, you open hearts and you open eyes. And I pray that you would give him wisdom in this moment of how to live and move and what to say and what path to take. 
God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. You have not left us or forsaken us. You have given us your spirit. And you have given us access through your son. In whose name we pray. Amen.